Okay, we're in lesson 11 today. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 8, uh, verse 22 to 26. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 to 26. Now, we're going to talk about wisdom's involvement in creation. Solomon, at this point, is going to talk about wisdom's involvement in creation. Now, it's pretty interesting. This week, I saw a headline that the European Union, one of their uh, one of their governmental bureaucratic offices released a statement saying that creationism was a threat to the European Union. I, that's pretty interesting to me. But the belief that God created over evolution was a threat. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's the same thinking here in the United States, except there they have some sort of governmental body, body come up with a document that said that. But I'll be honest with you, most, even though evolution is taught in our schools, the latest poll that I saw, the latest statistic I saw, was is that 70% of Americans still believe God created. Now, you think about that. Even though the last 30 years, at least 30 years, evolution has been taught in our schools, still 70% of Americans still believe that God created. God created. And what we're going to look at today is the whole issue of God creating and wisdom's involvement in that. Wisdom's involvement in creation. Let me just give you a little side theological note here. Is everybody aware that Jesus Christ was involved in creation? The epistles tell us that, especially when you go to Colossians. That he was there and he was the creator. You understand that the Trinity, the Godhead, is involved in the creation. And we see both the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father involved. But also we're going to see here wisdom involved. Okay, so let's look at, uh, first of all, verses 22 through 26 of chapter 8. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I, I have been established from everlasting. From the beginning, before there ever, before there was ever an earth, where there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. Okay, so let's notice a couple things. First of all, God's possession of wisdom. First thing I want you to notice is this. God possessed wisdom before the creation of the world. God possessed wisdom before the creation of the world. Now, let me just stop for a moment. We're in that section where wisdom is trying to tell us that we need to embrace her. We need to make wisdom a part of our lives. And so now she's going off and she's saying that God had her, possessed her, before the creation of the world. Now, why do you think she wants to make that point to you and I, especially in the whole context of this chapter, where wisdom is telling us to embrace it? Why do you think she's saying, look, God had me from the very beginning. Why do you think she's wanting to make that point? When you look at verses 1 through 21, 
1 through 21, the focus of those verses is the virtues of wisdom, the value of wisdom, and wisdom saying, embrace me, take me. Now you get to verse 22, and wisdom says, God had me from the very beginning. And what do you think is the point there? Why do you think that she's saying that? Why do you think Solomon is writing that here as he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? How important is wisdom then? Okay, all right, you hear what Mike said? God had wisdom from the very beginning, and it's something that we can attain only through Him. Now, here's the key thing. I was just in crisis earlier, and I saw, I had big John Wayne posted there, the Duke, in some kind of special commemorative uh, rifle or whatever. Let's say you had the rifle the Duke used. Would that be pretty special? Why would it be special? Why, if I just had another one like that that he didn't use, What's the difference? Yeah, the Duke used it. John Wayne used it. Now, here's the point. Now do you see how special wisdom is? Wisdom says, here I am. Take me. I'm available to you. She cries out in the streets. Remember, she cried out in the streets. Even to the simple and to the foolish and says, come to me. Now, in verse 22, she says, I was with God from the very beginning. God had me from the beginning. Now, what does that tell you about wisdom? Yeah, you can have what God had. You can use, it's available to you. The wisdom that God used is available to you. Isn't that something very special? See, now, as everybody now, maybe we didn't get enough caffeine going this morning here. Let's go get the pot. Everybody need a cup? Do you see what I'm saying? The wisdom, wisdom in verses 1 through 21 is saying embrace her. Take her to your life. Live by her. You will gain life. Now in verse 22, notice what verse 22 says. Verse 22, wisdom says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. At the very beginning, if there is a beginning. And it's just like what Millie said. It's available to you now. It's available to you. In fact, you know what? You think about that. Just go over to James chapter 1. You don't need to turn there. James chapter 1. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives what? Liberally and without partiality. You know what? You can ask God for wisdom. You can ask God for wisdom. You can ask him for wisdom. So God possessed possession of wisdom. Now look at the appointment of wisdom. First of all, the establishment of it. Wisdom is eternal. Wisdom is eternal. Verse 23. I have been established from everlasting. Wisdom is eternal. It's eternal. It stands the test of time. You know what? When you look at your Bible, it's eternal. It's eternal. Because notice, we've been going through Proverbs now. This is the 13th week now. Okay? 13th week we've been going through Proverbs. And we've seen, like for instance, just a couple weeks ago we looked at wisdom's value against the seductress. Here it is 3,000 years later. And the wisdom that Solomon's giving concerning the seductress 
Is it applicable today? Has anything changed? No, her tactics are the same. The, naive, the naivety of the of the young man is the same. You, you, you see the you know, and the consequences are the same. Wisdom is eternal. God's word is eternal. The value of it for your life is eternal. And so you and I need to see that. And so it's eternal, and she also points out it was established in eternity past. It was established in eternity past. Now, you notice I used the word eternity. Because wisdom existed before time existed. We exist in time. Does everybody understand that? God doesn't exist in time. God's the one who created time. It's hard for us to comprehend because we're human beings and we, you know, we live by the clock. What time is it now? How much time? How much time? Is it? How how far over today is George going to go? You know, that that type of thing. Okay. So the establishment of wisdom it was established in eternity past. Now, here's the other thing. Next thing I want you to notice: wisdom was established before creation. Wisdom was established before creation. So we've already talked about that. God is the one who created. God is the one who created time. Wisdom exists before creation. Wisdom existed before creation. And then I want you to notice, thus wisdom, because it was before creation, wisdom was an agent. Wisdom was an agent in creation. Wisdom was an agent in creation. So God used wisdom when he created. Now, now think about that for a moment. You can see that. You can see it. All you got to do is look around you. For instance, guys, you're hunting now. You're hunting. And you know what? You kill that deer and you have to clean that deer. Did you ever notice when you clean it, what didn't get busted up on the inside? You know, there it is, unless, of course, you're a bow hunter, and then it goes really nice and slides through. You're not busting up very much at all. But you notice the insides of an animal, the, the, the intricateness of, of the, the body of that animal. And then you're supposed to believe it just happened. With every little part having a function. Or the human body. You know, I think years ago they used to say there were parts of our body that you didn't really need them, they don't have any use, but that was based upon what they knew at the time and they didn't know very much. Now they realize, oh, well, you know, you need that part of your body. But here's my point. You can just look at creation and the integral nature of creation and see that God used wisdom to create it. To create it. Look, they say that our orbit around the sun is perfect. If we were just a few degrees off, closer or farther, we couldn't sustain life on this planet. Did that just happen by chance? Wisdom was an agent used in creation. Wisdom was an agent used in creation. Wisdom was an agent used in creation. Now look at verse 27 through 31. We're going to see wisdom's work in creation. We're going to see now how wisdom was used in creation. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, 
And when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his commands, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Okay, let's take a look at a couple things here. First of all, wisdom was with God. Wisdom was with God, was, pre- was present when God created the heavens. Wisdom was present when God created the heavens. Wisdom was present when God created the heavens. For, for, for instance, Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very first verse of the scripture. And what we see there is that there we see that wisdom here says, and, and this verse that we're looking at, it was with God. It was present when God created the heavens. Look, it talks about the creation of the atmosphere around us. But notice what it says here, verse 27. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. Wisdom was present when God separated the atmosphere from the earth. Wisdom was present when God separated the atmosphere from the earth. Again, Genesis 1, listen to verse 6 through 8. God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters and let it, let it divide the waters from waters. Thus God made firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then notice the separation from the land and the sea. Wisdom talks about the separation from the land and the sea. Wisdom was present when God separated the land from the sea. Notice something here now. One of the big things you hear in the news today is that the polar ice caps are going to melt and what's going to happen. Basically, we're all going to be covered with water. Look at what he says here, though. Here's what he says. Verse 29. When he assigned the sea its limit. And so the waters would not transgress his command. What's it saying there? Yeah, I mean, God has assigned where the sea is going to be. God has assigned where the sea is going to be. Here's another one. We're worried about that because of the flooding, right? What other command do we have that tells us about the issue of flooding? Now, mankind's not going to be destroyed by flooding. That promise has already been given. It's already been done once. All right, so God was present. Wisdom was present when God separated the land from the sea. Now, notice now, wisdom's joy in creation. Wisdom took delight in creation. Notice what it says here. Wisdom was a craftsman at God's side in creation. Wisdom was a craftsman at God's side in creation. Wisdom was a craftsman at God's side in creation. Here's the other one. Wisdom's joy now. God delighted in wisdom, and wisdom had joy 
in the creation of God. God delighted in wisdom, and wisdom had joy in the creation of God. So, wisdom delighted in the creation of God, and God delighted in wisdom. You can see that played out in your life. When you have wisdom, and you apply wisdom to your life, you are delighted when you see what wisdom was supposed to bring about come about. And you know what? Wisdom has delight in seeing it happen in your life. See? And that's the same thing here. Wisdom, God delighted in wisdom, and wisdom had joy in the creation of God. Now notice the object of wisdom's joy. Here's what wisdom had joy in. Wisdom had joy in the creation of men and women. Wisdom had joy in the creation of men and women. That's what it says there. Rejoicing in his inhabited world. He rejoiced in the inhabited world. So when he looked over the world and he saw its inhabitants, the animals and stuff, he rejoiced, wisdom rejoiced in that. But notice what the delight of wisdom was in. And my delight was with what? The sons of men. That's humanity. Hey, listen, can I be honest with you? We live in a dark time. We live in a dark time where the value of humanity means nothing anymore. And, in fact, you you basically are communicated all the time that you're just animals. In fact, can I be honest with you? Animals have more rights than you do now, don't they? You know what I'm saying? Nobody would ever think of killing... Well, we get upset when they kill a baby seal. But killing baby humans is okay. Up to a point. You know, up to a point. You know, at this point, up to a point. But here's the point. I want you to understand something. That's just the value of humanity. And so culture, the world, wants you to think that you're just nobody special. That you're just a piece of protoplasm that just happened to have everything go right for it. But we know that's not true because we know that God created us with wisdom. Well, first of all, you know, I know that turkey is smart, but they're not that smart. Otherwise, you wouldn't kill them. And deer are smart, and and the birds are smart, and fish are smart. But again, they're not that smart because they do take the hook, don't they? You know, so you look at all those things, but you know what? I've never noticed them formulate physics. Or create a car. Yeah, so a chimpanzee uses a stick to dig with. But has he built a backhoe? You, you see what I'm saying? But you know what? God created us unique, didn't he? From the rest of the creation. He created us unique from the rest of the creation, doesn't he? You know, so wisdom. Wisdom had joy in us. In us. And you know what? Wisdom has joy in us, but wisdom says, I'm also available for you. Isn't that wonderful? Now, here's the plea and promise of wisdom. Here's what we're going to focus the rest of our time on. The the plea and promise of wisdom. Look with me in verse 32 through 36. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. 
waiting at the posts of my doors. Whoever finds his life obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. And all those who hate me love death. Okay, so let's take a look here. First of all, there's a call to wisdom. Wisdom calls us to listen to her. Wisdom says, listen to me. Pay attention to me. I want to help you out. I want to save you misery. Wisdom cries out for you to listen. See, here's the thing. It's not that, can I be honest with you? Sometimes we have this, you know, we want to say that God's not fair and he's holding out on us. You're not fair, God. You're holding out on me. If I had known this, I wouldn't have done that. You know what? Wisdom's always there. Wisdom's all around you. In fact, a lot of times when you see people who are crying like that, and you go back through with them, and you say to them, well, you know, there was this, and there was this, and there was this, and there was this person, and there was that person, and they were telling you, but you chose at that time to what? Reject. Someone would say, well, ignore. But again, ignoring is a form of rejection. Wisdom says, listen. Now, wisdom's making the offer. Whose responsibility is it? Ours. Wisdom says, I'm here. I'm available. Free. Take it. It's your responsibility to come get it. It's your responsibility to come get it. It's your responsibility to take it when it's offered. You know, it's your responsibility. But, so, here's the thing. We are not to ignore wisdom. We're not to ignore it. We're not to reject wisdom. We're not to ignore it. We're not to just say, oh, you know, I just want to do my own thing today. And listen, I see so many Christians wanting to do that today. And you may even be here and you have that attitude. Don't speak up. But here's what I find today with Christians, or people who call themselves Christians. Because only God does. We want to pick and choose what we want from this Bible. We want to pick and choose what we want from this Bible. So we might read through the Old Testament and see the promises, and, oh, I'm going to claim those promises. Well, you've got to be careful when you start claiming promises from the Old Testament. Because you've got to claim the judgments as well, too. Because just as there was a promise given, it was also followed up with a judgment, that if you don't do what I'm saying, then you will experience these things. But see, that's where we're at today in our Christian life, is that we want to just do our own thing. And so, yeah, Jesus, I want you to be my buddy. I want you to answer my questions. But, Jesus, I want you to let me marry that unsaved guy. Reminds me of an illustration of a, I read, I think I've shared it with you before, about a young lady who prayed a very pious prayer about God blessing her wedding. And then the guy wrote, the author wrote then the in-between stuff, in-between the lines. God, I know you don't like this guy because he's not saved and you can't bless him, but I want you to bless him. But Lord, even if you don't, it doesn't really matter. I want what I want. 
And see, that's the attitude today of Christians. Christians will ignore wisdom. They want wisdom when it's applicable. They want wisdom when it lets them do what they want to do. But when wisdom tells them something that they shouldn't do, well, I don't have time for that church stuff anymore. Or here's the other one. I can always ask for forgiveness. God's a forgiving God. Let me just say something to you. If you've got that attitude, that says more about your heart than it does about God. Because what it says about you is you're presuming upon His grace. And you don't understand what it cost Him for that grace. And you know, that's the whole thing. You know, you can presume and act like a Christian and live like a Christian and and just take wisdom where you want it and ignore it where you don't want to want it. But then one day, the only one who's really going to know is you and the Lord if you're saved. And one day, I'll be honest with you, I heard this said. How many of you remember the group Harvest? How many of you remember Jerry Williams and Ed Kerr? I remember Jerry Williams speaking at Columbia, South Carolina at a concert. I went to a concert. I loved Harvest. I, well, I drive Lori crazy. I, I got all the Harvest albums I ever was. Well, anyhow, I heard Jerry, Jerry Williams saying that John 3.16 was going to send an awful lot of people to hell. And I was with some guys from a campus group there, and they were like, oh, man, I can't believe you said that. That's terrible. Why, did you, why would you say something like that? Some of you are even frowning at that. Well, he was making a good point. We've so watered it down what it means to become a Christian, we just simply say you need to pray a prayer, and that's enough. And people don't really get saved. And then they pick and choose what they want. And then one day, they're going to wake up. And the reality is, is they're not where they should be. And it won't, and there's nothing they can do there. See, wisdom cries out and says, listen to me. And you know what? We're not to ignore wisdom. We can't pick and choose stuff. And that's what we're into now because we're into smorgasbord Christianity. Have you noticed that? How many of you love my face? I do. You know, we get to pick and choose. Pick and choose. You know, salad bar mentality. I think today I'll have the really thin stuff with pepperoni only. You know? And the problem is is that we take that mentality into our Christianity, our North American Christianity, and guess what? We pick and choose. So wisdom, we are not to ignore wisdom. Next thing, we will be blessed when we heed wisdom. Here's the thing, guys. We will be blessed when we heed wisdom. So for the young lady or young man, wisdom says in Second Corinthians, be not unequally yoked to an unbeliever. Wisdom communicates, don't marry an unbeliever. But you want to pick and choose that. What I want to say to them is, hey, I know some ladies who did marry an unbeliever. Why don't you talk to them? Why don't you talk to them? Because you're no guarantee that they'll, they'll come to know the Lord. 
There's no guarantee that they'll come to know the Lord. God does bless them. He is gracious. But there's a reason why God said don't do that. Because He wants to spare you. He wants to spare you heartache. And when you heed it, guess what? Wisdom blesses you. Well, you just don't understand, George. There just aren't too many fish in the sea around here anymore. Well, you know what? I read in the Gospels that Jesus directed a fish to pick up a coin on the bottom of the ocean and then told Peter to cast a line in the sea and that fish just happened to grab that line and then he brought that fish in and then he took the money out of that and paid the temple tax. So if he could direct that fish to do all that, do you think he could direct somebody here? He's the one who put it in the Word of God anyhow. But you don't understand, George. I don't like going through the microwave and being told, pull over there. I mean, excuse me, the drive through Pull over there. Because we're the microwave generation. We want it now. Maybe you're not ready now. Maybe you're not ready now. See, when you heed wisdom, wisdom will bless you. Wisdom will bless you. And so here, there's blessing in listening. Notice now what wisdom tells us, verse 34 and 35. Blessing is bestowed on, on the one who seeks wisdom daily. How many of you have faced this? You know, I was talking to my son last night, one of my sons. And I've been encouraging him to read the Word. And I said, you know, as you read this Word, God's going to reveal Himself to you. And he asked a great question. When? Is it right after I read the passage? I said, no, God reveals Himself when He's ready to reveal Himself to you. But He'll speak to you through your word, His Word. Now, here's what we'll do. Because some of this it may be like you. Well, you know, I read the Word today and... He didn't speak to me. So our natural human tendency is to say, okay, won't do that anymore. He didn't speak to me. You're missing the point. You seek wisdom. Even if it doesn't necessarily jump out at you at that moment, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. You know, you will be blessed. I, here, here's the thing. It's like this. I remember when Lori and I got married. I had just finished seminary and I was waiting for a church and so I was working for her dad in the Christmas tree field. And I uh, had to get up early in the morning at 4.30 in the morning. And uh, my young bride would get up with me first week. First week only. And... Uh, she would get up with me. She decided to quit doing that after she almost cut her hand open cutting me a bagel. But uh, but she would get up with me and she would she would fix my lunch and she would put a little note in my lunch. That's an awful nice thing to do, you know. And that was a blessing. You know, it's like that with the Word of God. Get up, read it. And you never know; you might find a note. The Holy Spirit might say something to you. 
So wisdom, blessing is bestowed on the ones who seek it daily. And notice what, he who seeks wisdom will find life and favor from God. If you seek it, listen, how many promises do you need? We've been going through Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 11. Versus, actually, the whole section you're with, with uh, one of our sons. And in that passage, Jeremiah chapter 29, I think verses 10 through 13, I believe it says, If you seek me, I will be found by you, the Lord God says. And over and over and over in Scripture, God communicates to us, If you seek him, you'll be, you'll be found by you. And if you seek wisdom, wisdom, he who seeks wisdom will find life and favor from God. Find it. Seek after it. How important is it to you? I'm reminded of those parables that Jesus gave in which he talked about, first of all, the widow who lost the coin. Remember the widow and she did everything she could to find that coin? Or, or the man who found the precious pearl? And he went and sold all that he had so he could buy that precious pearl? Or the guy who was just kind of out in the field and he... He was digging and found a treasure and he what? He went and buried the treasure again and went and sold everything he had so he could buy that field for that treasure. And Jesus said, that's the kingdom of God. And the emphasis of the passage is twofold. Number one, the preciousness of the kingdom. But also, the seeking of the individual for the kingdom. You and I need to be like the widow. We need to be like that guy who found the pearl of great price. We need to be like the guy who found the treasure dug. We need to seek for it daily. Do what we can to find it. And you'll be blessed. Now again, let me just stop for a moment. Blessing is not what some guy on TV says, a hundredfold. Big wallets. No, that's not it. You're missing the point. Because we've already talked about that, that there in riches there is no contentment. But you'll find blessing. It's a wisdom. If you, if you seek wisdom, you'll find it. You'll find favor from God. Here's the other point now. Two more points and we'll finish up. It's the curse of not listening. So let's get back to this issue of this picking and choosing stuff. The curse of not listening. When someone rejects wisdom, they harm themselves. Oh, it might seem like if I reject wisdom that, oh, well, you know, I just don't agree with that. That's your truth, and that's and I have my truth, and you know, forget it. If you reject wisdom, if you reject what is known, and again, we've already talked about it. Wisdom's all. Everybody knows what wisdom is. Everybody knows what wisdom is. But if you reject wisdom for yourself, oh, it might be nice for the second or the moment, but you're just going to end up harming yourself. You're just going to end up harming yourself. The pain and anguish just goes on. In fact, the probably you know the pain and anguish goes on until you go to be with Jesus. That's just reality. Do you think then, if we understand that, it's important for you and I to listen to what God tells us in His Word? I'm talking to myself too because I'm just as thick. I'm just a stick up here. 
I struggle with the same things too. And the same thing is, is that, you know, God's wisdom is there for me just as it is with you. And when I choose to ignore it, I'm doing myself harm. So I'm not just talking at you, I'm talking with you. And so the curse of it is, is when somebody rejects, they harm themselves. Here's the other one. The one who hates wisdom loves death. Ooh. Man, is he for real? Yes. You hate wisdom. You reject wisdom. You love death. Nobody wants to say that, do they? You love suffering. You love hurt. You love pain. You love anguish. You want to experience suffering. When you reject it, you're saying, Oh, I want it. But that's not really why we reject it, is it? We don't even think about that part. But Solomon's wanting us to understand, you got to think before, beyond just the moment. Because that's what we do. We think just for the moment. Right? We think just for the moment. What can I get out of it now? We have no clue. We don't even think in terms of what will happen later on down the road. Wisdom says, consider what happens later on down the road. Consider what happens later on down the road. Okay, next week, we're going to get into chapter 9, which is the last chapter in this section of Proverbs, in this first section of Proverbs that Solomon wrote. Okay, we're going to look at wisdom contrasted with foolishness. Okay? All right, let's close our time in prayer and get ready for the morning worship service.